Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We are a blended family. 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 And we are a blended family. Hi, we're Doctors Larry and Carol Snap. We're glad to have you with us today. All right, so like Carol said, this is the Blended Families class, lesson one of 12. What is a godly marriage? Uh, we want to start this whole semester off with really setting a solid foundation for what God's plan for marriage is all about. What's it supposed to look like? Uh, you know, as, as we go through this and you recognize some of the stuff that's not the way God put it, then there's opportunities to change stuff and make it more like what he wanted. Okay, so the plan here is to establish a solid foundation for a godly marriage. Uh, we're going to discuss how God created man and woman and the beginning of the institution of marriage where God expected it to be one man, one woman who become one flesh. And we're going to talk about God's order in marriage. Uh, the head of man is Christ. The head of woman is man. Is God. The Father. Okay, so that's the chain of command. And we're going to get into this stuff in a little more detail. Uh, the very first thing we do is look at the way God's kingdom is set up and how marriage is set up. Okay. Uh, I used to be a computer programmer, so I do flow charts. Old habits. <laughs> um, okay, so in God's kingdom, the chain of command... Okay, I got little arrows going up, but really the chain of command goes this way. The church, or the bride, down here, and sometimes I'll draw another little circle around this, which would be the Holy Spirit, right? Which controls us, being the bride, the church. We we operate under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but. The church, the bride, is supposed to report to Jesus, who is the Son, and Jesus reports to the Father, right? So it all goes up that way. The Word comes down this way. Obedience goes that way, right? And so that's in the kingdom. That's in heaven. Now, in marriage, we have, like we just said, Christ is the head of the man, the man is the head of the wife. But we have some things going on here, right? We have the bridegroom here. And we have the bride here. Okay. Now, 
what this represents is there in Ephesians 5, there's basically three types of submission. Most people know that wives are supposed to submit to the husbands, and that's all they ever hear. Well, that's not really the way it works. That's the last part. <laughs> okay. So the very first one, the first submission that has to happen is the wife and the husband submitting to Christ. And that's the first one. That's why we have the pyramid the way it is. We'll get into that later too. So the first thing is each individual submits to Christ. That has to be the first thing. The second one, and this is like Ephesians 5.21, submitting yourselves one to another. So we got this going both ways here. And then the final one is the wife to the husband. And it's, it's really important to understand that the wife only does the third one if the first two are being done. You don't get three if the first two are not there. Especially the first one. <laughs> um, but the way God set this up is, you know, the man and the woman are supposed to be one flesh. So it's important to understand that the husband and the wife are equals, submitting one to another. You're not better than me. I'm not better than you. We're equals. We're on the same team. We're teammates. And part of being on a team, okay, it's kind of like Christ is the coach or the manager, right? So he's the one that is setting the agenda, but we need to work together to accomplish whatever the coach's agenda is. You know, it's not just, well, I'm the guy, so that's it. That's, that's not how this works. A lot of guys try to make it that way, but that's really not the way it works. So, uh, three types of submission, each spouse to Christ, each spouse to one another, and then the wife to the husband. And I said, you can't have three without having the other two first. Any comments, questions? Make sense? It's all good? All right. Okay, so... Now we're going to talk a little more about the, the foundation for a godly marriage. Okay, in Genesis, you know, in the beginning, right, in Genesis, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay, so this, this is sort of like the Trinity is talking amongst itself, right? It's not let me, it's let us. So there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're all kind of <clears throat> sitting around a campfire, you know, and they're just, hey, let, let's make humans. Make them look like us. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's cool. So let us make man in our image after our likeness, okay? And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Okay? <clears throat> so, it wasn't that God's just making humans just to make humans. He's giving them a purpose. Right? We were created with a purpose 
and the purpose was to have dominion over everything on the planet. Okay, well now, so that's plants, livestock, fish, you know, in the water, in the air, on the land, everything, everything. So, next verse, so God creates man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Okay, now this, the timing's sort of a little off here, you know, if you just read it just like that, because later, I, get, I think in chapter 2, it talks how God created Adam, and then Adam was there by himself for a while. He was given the task of naming all the animals and all this kind of stuff, and eventually God says it's not good for man to be alone, right? So he created him, and he created a male and female, and there's no other genders here, all right? Get a lot of trouble with that right now. <laughs> there's male and female. Pick one. Okay, now. God creates man in his image from the dirt. Okay. In Genesis 2, it's in chapter 2 now. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground. I mean, you could almost just say male here. Created a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So there's nothing other than all the creatures. And then God's like, well, let's make somebody that's sort of like us. Right? So he makes him a male out of the... Well, let me back up. He makes a man, a human, in God's image. Okay, so what we have here is one being in God's image so far. Adam, which he named eventually, has all the attributes of God. Like, so we're looking at both male and female here in that one entity. Okay, so uh, Genesis 2.20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, and all the wild animals. Right. So now we see Adam was hanging out with God all by himself for who knows how long. Lots of animals, lots of fish, lots of birds. It probably took a while, right? And he's all by himself. And then it's, uh, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He'd taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. Okay. So what all we got here? God saw that Adam, the human, needed a mate, a helpmate, somebody to be a complement to him. So he took a rib, and I think even that is significant, a rib from the side, right? Not something from the head, not something from the feet, right? But a 
from the side so that this other part of Adam is going to be to come alongside uh, the ribs, protect all the vital organs in here, kind of <laughs> fold it together, right? And they expand and contract, so when we breathe, it's, it's almost like she has become the, the breath of, you know, what's going on here. So the, the rib was very significant. Uh, now, to me, it was very important that, so now there's a male and a female. And a little bit later here, he tells them... Christian Living Radio. This, well, and then Adam says, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Okay. So, <clears throat> what's really important is, God created human in his image. Right? Keep... Image is important here. <clears throat> so now you've got Adam and you've got Eve, and Adam's like, okay, she's going to be called woman. It's my job to name everything. So you come out of man, you're a woman. And, uh, and then we have that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And then just F, you know, oh yeah, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Okay, so they were created as fleshly beings and everything was perfect in the garden, so there was no need, there was no sin, perfect climate, it was probably like San Diego or someplace like that. They didn't need to wear clothes, right? And there was no sin, so they... they yeah, and it's only them, so who cares, right? But what we have, okay, God intended for the man and the woman to be united and be one, right? Basically, God took Adam that had God's complete image and he separated it into a male and a female part of God's image, and now that image needs to come back together to be one image, one flesh, right? So the it's still the male and female part of God that are being one here. So without marriage, God's image is not all there. It would be one way to look at it. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? I mean, you get the, the whole point is God's image wanted to be, God wanted his image to be spread over the planet, not just humans. The, the humans were created in his image. It was his image he wanted spread all over the place. And the humans were given that job of having dominion, right? One of the things we have to realize is because of sin and the way Satan perverts everything, he turns it upside down, so many things that man was created to have dominion over have taken dominion over him. Chemicals, 
plants, all kind of, you know, alcohol comes from plants, a lot of drugs come from plants. So many things come from plants. And now people, because of sin, have become addicted to certain things, and now that those things have dominion over us. Okay? So everything's all kind of upside down. Okay. Now, in marriage, okay, we have our pyramid here. Put your faith, oh, typo, huh, never noticed that. Put your faith, your faith and trust in God, not in your spouse. Your spouse will let you down at some point. God never will. Okay, this is part of the covenant, covenant mentality that we talk about sometimes is, okay, God put us together, we're together till death do us part, we're on the same team, yeah, okay, we're going to have disagreements over some stuff here and there, but as long as God is central, we can come to, together and pray and become a, in agreement with His Word and His will, not so much our own fleshy stuff, and and then go from there, okay? Um, okay, so this, this is the pyramid over here. Uh, feel free to take pictures of that. Okay, the first one is the vertical, and this is God's relationship priority pyramid. Okay, so these are relationships that we have in our life, right? God expects to be first. That's like the first commandment, right? No other gods before me, right? And in a marriage, it's so important to realize my first job is to have a good vertical relationship. That will impact all the other relationships that I have, especially with the spouse. Number two is the horizontal, especially the husband-wife. Horizontal is all the human relationships, okay? It's the husband-wife is supposed to be a covenant till death do us part, okay? So we have God being the eternal relationship. That's eternity here, so we should spend more time than any other relationship because it's going to last forever. The next most important one is the spouse. Okay, we got eternity and then we got till death do us part. Now we don't know how long that's going to be. Hopefully 20, 30, 40, 50 years or more. It may not be. Okay, but that's Till death do us part. That's when you get married. You should know that that's the, that's the goal, right? That's that's the whole point of that. You want to spend the rest of your life with this person, knowing it's not going to be perfect. <laughs> okay. Number three is the parent-child relationship. Now, in our blended family ministry, all the counseling we've done over the years. This is where most of the marriages get messed up, right? We've had a lot of them come in. They're 
They do okay with the vertical, and when it's just the two of them, usually it's pretty decent. Now you throw the kids in there, and there's an X somewhere, and you got to take kids back and forth, and that gets all screwed up, right? And what we kind of discovered here over the years is the parent-child, now there's a parable about a vineyard where it's God's vineyard. And guys like, yeah, I'm going to be gone for a while. You guys take care of this for me. So these workers take care of the place. You know, they're picking the fruit and tending to the vines and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, now it's like years and this guy's not come back. And they're like, eh, why should we be sharing the proceeds of all this stuff with somebody that's never here, right? So they start thinking and acting like owners. It's not their vineyard, but they act like it's theirs and they start treating it like it's theirs and it's their property and they can do whatever they want. We see the same kind of thing with parents, right? Especially in the blended situation because so many <laughs> feel like they own their kids. These are my kids. Don't mess with my kids, <laughs> okay? Well, what we try to get people to realize is these kids are not your property. They belong to God. They're on loan from God. You have been given the opportunity to raise them up in the way they should go according to the Word of God, okay? So a big part of the parent-child relationship is giving up the ownership mentality and look at yourselves as a steward of God's kids no matter where they came from right this is how you deal with stepkids right you're the steward you're not the owner and I like what you guys were talking about last week is you had a meeting over here about how are we going to do this parenting thing <laughs> right and you came to an agreement okay You'll do yours, but when it really gets down to the nitty-gritty, you're the enforcer, right? That works, as long as you're in agreement. There's so much disagreement that usually happens here because, and we get into this like in chapter three about who's normal is normal. My normal is, here's how you do it. So that's the right way. Well, yours is totally different than that. And you think yours is the right way. <laughs> and we get a lot of people that, you know, they were raised in an almost abusive situation. They really don't want a bunch of rules. And then we get somebody that didn't really have a lot of rules. They kind of want rules. So they, they flip, right? But they're still an opposite. <laughs> they, they can't quite agree. Um, <laughs> I got the one story. We had this one couple. They had twin boys. They were like 10. And every time we would talk to them, it was always about how bad the kids were. Right? They were little terrors. And that's why they were having problems. Well, it didn't take much to realize they were the problem and the kids were acting out because there was so much stress from the parents. Right? So they, they invited us for dinner one time uh, just to see how bad the kids were. And the kids were the best. Right. 
one of them volunteered to say the prayer yeah. over dinner. Yeah. Whose kids are these? You know. Uh, but they, they were constantly yeah. taking stuff away from them, and you know, it, it was it was really bad. There a whole bunch of other stuff was going on, but they were one of those that kind of went the opposite of how they were raised and trying to parent, yeah, like and they couldn't figure out how to be in agreement on that stuff. One was too strict, the other one, you know, one thought the other one was too strict, and the other one thought the other one was too lenient, and they couldn't quite get that together. So that's why in that other, in chapter three, we talk about you got a normal, they got a normal, let's both get a Christ-like normal. Again, putting Christ at the head of the pyramid here. All right, so give up ownership, be a steward of the children that are gifts from God. Okay, number four is the extended family and or friends, neighbors, you know, any other human. Mostly this is like, okay, one, two, and three is like inside your house. Four is everybody that's not in your house. Uh, even coworkers, you know, any human relationship that you may have. You got to put God first, your spouse next, you, then your kids with the right attitude, and then everybody else, including exes, grandparents, all these other people that you deal with on a, a somewhat daily basis. Okay. We often see where parents, grandparents, even exes sometimes have a higher priority than your spouse. That is going to have problems. Um, and it was either these two things. Either two people couldn't agree on parenting or there was like an ex that was too much in the middle of things. That's why we suggest the healthy boundaries, Larry. Yeah, right. Boundaries. Uh, you know, we see, you know, it's not always the case. I mean, there's some people that actually get along better as friends than ever their spouses. Uh, doesn't happen all that often, but it does happen. Most of the time, one ex will be very vindictive. And it's like their job is to destroy it. That's their job. That's how they see it. You hurt me, I'm going to kill you, right? Or how dare you move ahead and be happy and yeah. I'm still in the mess dealing that you created. Right. It's all your fault, yeah. so I have to pay for what you did to me and I'm going to make your life hell. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing. But, you know, and it's like an ex will call up at 10 o'clock at night, hey, I need you to come over and change a light bulb. Yeah. Whatever marriage this is, is the most important one. God forgives the mess you did before. Okay? You have to realize that. That's old news. That's history. That's not that relevant. I mean, okay, co-parenting, you got to deal with that stuff. Okay? That's the messy part of blended families. But... It's important that you understand that this marriage, your relationship with your spouse, has to come before any past relationship, marriage, whatever. 
You know, we get so many people nowadays getting married. They got kids. They'd never been married before. So this is like the first time they get married, but they've got kids already. And so there's all that kind of stuff that fits in with blended. And we got to kind of deal with that as if it had been a divorce, right? I mean, it's still kind of the same baggage, the spiritual baggage that we talk about and those kind of things uh, next week. But some of these boundaries, it's like, you know, use the speakerphone. If you have to deal with an ex, be on the speakerphone so that your your spouse knows what's going on. You're not trying to do anything on, on the side over here. And they're like, what are you talking about? Oh, nothing. You know, <laughs> and they get that feeling like you're trying to hide something. Right. That so, they're left out. Yeah. You... It's you as one flesh managing this other thing that used to be, right? Uh, Number five is your job. So family, God, family comes before job. You have to provide for your family, so there needs to be some kind of income, right? That's how we live. But family should come first. We get people that are workaholics, and they, all they have to do is provide. That's it. They're not there in person. They don't really contribute, you know, any guidance or love or any of that kind of stuff to the family. It's just, here's the paycheck. See you next week. Um, so there needs to be some boundaries there. Uh, and then ministry is the very last one. Ministry is a job. This is Christian Living Radio. Not everybody's full-time ministry, so most of us have a job, and then we do ministry in addition to that, right? My job is driving people all over town. <laughs> ministry is, you know, that job lets me do this job, right? But so many times we see pastors, or even pastors' kids especially, that, you know, let's just say dad was the pastor, they never saw dad. He was always dealing with the church, church folks, right? Didn't spend much time with his family. Church church was up here, right? So ministry is like 1.5, you know. This is the work of God. It's not God. Big difference, right? But if you're going to do ministry, your home has to be in order. You, yeah, you have to have your house in order. The first ministry that you should have is to your spouse. So if you're taking care of your church body before your spouse, it's out of order. Right? This is all God's order. And if any and when we listen to couples that need counseling, it's all what's out of order. Right.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
praying that God would take that cup yeah. away from him. Right? The, he was going to have to drink the cup of sin for all of us. That was his job. Join the best positive Christian lifestyle movement on the air at ChristianLivingRadio.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.